0: welcome to Linux for the rest of us this is episode 255 my name is door door geek uh it, the owner operator of ponix.com this is the Linux show where we try to talk about Linux in the realm that it can make everyone comfortable everyone understand everyone is accepting um Jonathan uh, took the night off had a long day Had a um, a busy day so I'm going to try to go solo do not expect this show to go full term if you will uh, so we're going to going to hop right into it Uh, first I wanted to say we're not going to talk about the Steam Deck for like an hour hour and a half Um, I still feel everything I felt in the previous episode and here here's a really quick short example of how the Steam Deck is going to like destroy retro games make them better than they ever were and including future games Controller configurations are infinitely customizable, infinitely shareable. Here's a perfect example of something that you would never get in a classic console and something that you can use in a modern game. Take any first person shooter or any first person thing or any third person thing even. So we're going to say Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time or 007 James Bond on Nintendo 64 or any modern day um, uh, Elden Ring, like Dead Scrolls kind of thing. Um Steam has implemented a thing called flick stick. You can take the stick and flick it to the left, let go, flick it to the right, let go, flick it to the down, let go, flick it up, let go, whatever you want. And it's independently calibratable. What happens next? So hypothetically, you can be playing your game, flick the stick down, let it go, and it will perform a 180 degree turn as quick as it possibly ever could. Uh, things unobtainable. On those original game consoles you can then have on this um, platform and then you can share it out and other people can take advantage of that same kind of thing. Um, It's almost like how way back in the day I swore um, Firefox was going to destroy Internet Explorer and how Thunderbird was the best email application ever. Because of its extensibility, how you can have extensions, add-ons, plugins, and how users can create them. Um, I will say I'm pulling back on that belief just a smidge, just a scotch, because we've seen the poisoning of these extension and add-ons on desktop browsers where then uh, the people sell it to, um, you know, nefarious people who then um, take the data and sell them to bad people. So no longer is something extensible, the sole thing of is it going to be successful or not, but it has to be weighted in the individual environment. And I do think that's a great environment. Uh, I definitely want to thank um, for the emails that we got. And I will say we have two emails. After I delete the YouTube, I can pick my handle emails, which I can't stand. Uh, first email is from Mark Rice. Email goes, uh, hello door. I'm happy to hear you and Jonathan on the same show. Exactly. I agree. Uh, what a treat. I'm not through the show, but I got giddy when you mentioned i3 and KDE in the same sentence. Uh, this got me thinking that you might tr- like to try i3 and KDE at the same time because I did this tutorial a couple months ago and then he links to a lennoxhint.com, aka a website I never heard before. Uh, But I definitely bookmarked for future endeavors kind of things. Um, I'm not going to lie, Mark. You said KDE and I3 at the same time, and my head hurt. My head hurt so bad. I literally just went and decided to lay down, and I said to myself, self, I need to come back to this later because I can't even begin to comprehend how you can implement I3 window manager at the same time um, as KDE Plasma now. And then I went to the website and there's lots and lots of words, lots and lots of words, lots and lots of words. Okay, so um, now I'm going to take a tangent. Number one, um, I still only listen to one Linux podcast because too many Linux podcasts spend inordinate amount of time talking about non-Linux things, about home ownership, about Marvel superhero movies, about political correctness things here, about, you know, Windows things there about things that just don't pertain to Linux. So because of that, I've had a hard time keeping my attention span. That's how I segue into this. My in- attention span for reading has also been incredibly bad. Uh, so bad, I've literally made appointments with doctors to see if we can, I don't know, do something to make it better for me to read. Uh, if I have to read anything more than like 10 or 20 words, I now have to take the text put it into a um, text-to-speech engine and listen to it and read it at the same time. And I will admit, Mark, I haven't had a chance to do that. Here's the tie-in. I don't want to do this to any operating system I'm currently running as my normal desktop. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can load up either DistroBox mentioned on the last episode or if I should load up a VM and try to get this up and running just so I can kind of like grok it kind of get a feeling for it kind of thing, see what the actual end result is. Um, I wish this um, web page, also provided a, um, adjoining, joining um video showing off some of the features in motion kind of things. I think that in compilation with the text would have made it much more easier for everybody to like gr- immediately grok it and understand what was going on and understand how to do stuff. So it's literally been almost a week. Mark emailed me very quick, uh, and I haven't had a chance to sit down with this because I need like utter peace and quiet to go through this, but I still have it on my queue to go through whenever I have the chance because um, I am interested in anything plus i3 window manager. So I, I will absolutely say thank you very much for that, Mark. Okay, then the second email from Mark was... um. It just says, hey, door, for the only Linux podcast you listen to, I believe that it is the Linux link tech show, uh, which I will say I do believe is the longest, most continuous running podcast that I have listened to. And then the most continuous Linux podcast just goes by the caveat. But, you know, the amount of Linux the last time, the last year, the last two, the last four years I listened to tilts was easily Less than 5% of the talk was Linux. They were talking about houses and people moving and Marvel stuff and cooking and moving into new houses and um, all kinds of stuff that, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Double N Dan. I like Dan. I like Joel. I like all of those guys. They seem um, awesome. They seem cool. Uh, I've had a, the chance to meet more than a couple of them at uh, conferences. Alan gave me a great stogie. It was fantastic, but to sit down and listen to them talk about non-Linux stuff, I find to be not my cup of tea. Uh, with that stated, when someone asks me for a couple Linux podcasts to listen to, I will always suggest the Linux Think Tech Show just because it's been around so long. More than likely, it's going to be around longer than anything else, but no, that's not the podcast I listen to. The podcast I listen to at least has a 50% plus ratio, I feel, of constant Linux content which i will say is incredibly rare and incredibly hard to achieve Uh, and i will uh, open up the door again just to say if anyone feels like they have an opinion that other people are not um rationalizing or something that you think is more forward thinking than other people or you just want to sit down and talk to me whatever you can just let me know at podcast at linux for the rest of us.com or door door geek at gmail.com um one of the things I was thinking about this past week was with, to be honest, the blatant success and history will show the history books will show the success that the steam deck will have with making people aware of Linux and making people more comfortable with Linux will be documented here in the short future. Um, that was like its own little pillar of success. Before that we had Chromebooks. I want to say it was about three years ago or so. Now the number one selling laptop during Christmas was Chromebooks. Okay, Um, Chromebooks are running a Linux back and with just the Chrome browser on top. So that's another way Linux has been incredibly successful. Uh, Maybe not in the public eye as much, but it's there, you know, it's in there and we know it's in there. Um, We also then have Android devices, which are clearly the number one top selling phone in the world, bar none. Nothing has came close, which we all know is at least for now running Linux. The, the, The people that know, know that it's running Linux to where you can pull up a terminal emulator in Android and you can run a lot of low level commands. Um, a lot of um. Oh man, what's it called? Um, uh, not. it's called something box, like a real low-level um terminal emulators where you can do a lot of basic commands. Okay, so we've seen all these little successes where they literally raise the pole on their little domain that they've had, and Linux has destroyed. You can also take it a step further and say Linux owns the server market, and I can say that because every. Thing in Microsoft Azure interface you see is actually running on Linux servers. It's been like that now for almost three years. Um, Amazon AWS services, everything is running off of Linux servers. Um, Rackspace, uh, what's it, uh, Cloud9, um, that was a TV show. But uh, every single major server infrastructure as a service is running Linux. We own the server market, you know what I mean? Um, we've grown so much with audio editors, with video editors, with, you know, desktop applications. It's really difficult to think we're in the next year, we're in the next two years, we're in the the next three years. Can Linux make headway? Um, besides in air quotes, the normal desktop business ecosystem, I'm not sure if that's possible, plausible or easy. So like, here's like one of the things that I've been contemplate um um there's like zero chance that a a a horse dealer in the early 1900s really could have seen automobiles you know the internal combustion engine or ice being a thing being successful taking them out of business um and i think that's actually where we are at now here right now when we're thinking about computing we're thinking about ecosystems, we're thinking about environments, we're thinking about interfaces, we're thinking about interactions. It's super difficult to think we know what's going to be the next successful one to make Linux even more popular, even more uh, uh aware in the zeitgeist is the word I'll use. Because um, here's the thing, kind of like how Chromebooks lowered people's expectations on what to expect. Thus, when they logged in for the first time and it wasn't the super snappiest thing, but it was only like, you know, it was less than 300 bucks. So it worked. We were satisfied with it because it was good enough. Uh Kind of like how when MP3s came onto the scene, the experts knew the MP3 format was not great, but it turned out to be good enough. Uh People who have the Steam Deck are having a very, in air quote, good enough gaming experience. And then when there's things they have to tweak, they literally just hit the power button or the steam button and they drop to desktop mode. And then they just follow tutorials online because now anything you want to know how to do, whether it's replace an engine, fix a vacuum cleaner, replace a part on a washing machine, um, anything you want to do, you can find on YouTube how to do it. Not limited to and including going on a simple Chrome um, um, steam deck, Linux based ecosystem, Dropping to the desktop, dropping to the command line, copy, pasting something, and voila, having something installed that you never knew could be installed. Whether it's a desktop um, browser, whether it's the ability to to do Zoom meetings on your Steam Deck, uh, or just be able to do light text editing. you know, It's all right there. But I think because those initial users had so low expectations in the desktop environment, they're extremely satisfied. So the question is, what could be next? Um, I don't think it's going to be like a home theater type experience, even though I do believe, um, I do think people's needs will be keeping to change. We're right now, all of the streaming services are starting to condense. We're going to start to see increased rates for the services that we decide to keep, which will then just encourage people finding free content on the internet. Um, so I do think the um, more home theater PCs where we can own our devices and do what we want to will become at least a little bit more desirable. It's not sure if it's going to be enough desirable to make Linux like a key thing that people use kind of thing. Um, Part of me thinks just normal appliances might start to see these kinds of things. Uh, I don't think it's going to be in automobiles. I don't think, think it's going to be in mass transportation Um. Smart boards at work is definitely a possibility. Um, but everything involving enterprise and work just seems to be incredibly, incredibly boring. Um, I do think that with as many applications that are being browser based, I do think it's slowly becoming more possible that we're going to have sandboxed Linux streamlined interfaces where you basically just in air quote log into your domain your network and you literally just get one or two icons and that's all you can do because as a employee now if we want to do things that are not work related we should have good connections and good devices all around us even if you're at the lower rung of pay scales because these devices really have came down in price to be nearly disposable level um But the one area I can say I would love to have a really good bare bones operating system installed in is monitor technology. I would love to be able to have a affordable monitor right here. Turn on the monitor, plug up a keyboard, plug up a mouse, be able to do basic things with that monitor with not a lot of horsepower, not a lot of processing power, and just do those little things that I need done. And then if I need to do video editing or audio editing or some kind of heavy lifting, I can then load up my full-fledged laptop or desktop. Uh same thing. I would love to be able on a television set, be able to hit a couple buttons and go to a very basic, drawn down, slim desktop that gives me basically the, the ability to do a browser and a terminal and maybe like one other thing. Um because to incorporate Raspberry Pi high end raspberry pi level technology into a monitor or a tv realistically those manufacturers could do it for less than i would say 50 bucks probably less than 30 bucks if they do it on all of their models which is not an incredible price hike uh but the type of functionality they can offer um could attract a lot of people i don't know just throwing it out there um if you have any ideas any beliefs any feelings on what could be the next big step in the Linux ecosystem to getting things notoriety. Don't hesitate. Send me an email, send me a voicemail, 7076 podnut podcast at Linux for the rest of And let me know. Um, one thing I've never talked about on any podcast, and honestly, this is the only podcast I think that really could talk about it, but there's really not a lot to say. Elon, or as I like to call him, Ellen, uh, bought Twitter to which I reply, who cares? Um, you know, the problem with Twitter has nothing to do with the software, has nothing to do with the platform, has nothing to do with the advertising model, has nothing to do with the blue check mark. has nothing to do with a paid tier, has nothing to do with circles, which now looks looks like they're doing like Google Plus type circles in it. Um, has nothing to do with the um, applications you can load on it. Has nothing to do with it wanting to load its own interface. Has nothing to do with the onboarding process, has nothing to do with retention policies. I mean, the problem with Twitter is the people that are on it. And that's like the most obvious thing I think is true. The problem with Twitter is the people who are on it. The problem with Facebook are the people that are on it. The problem with a lot of social media are the people that are on it. Now, with that stated, I did experience, I think, a different enough social media ecosystem that did things just different enough that at least made me think what else could be possible. Uh, the platform is called WT social WT stands for something. Can't remember. I want to say it's Wikimedia technology dot social. I don't know, but it's the is Jimmy Wales, the guy behind Wikipedia, Wikimedia him. That is his social platform. And what he believes is, instead of just loading up a platform and then connecting with a bunch of people that it turns out you have nothing in common with, except for two out of a hundred, instead of doing that type of connectivity, like me and Ashton Kushner, what do we have in common? Mm, not much. Um, You know, instead of doing that, why don't you, as soon as you onboard people, you ask them about topics they're interested in. And then what, what happens is those topics turn into silos or rooms or channels or areas where things can get posted. Um, to me, the advantage to that social media platform is you're already going to be around people who are at least like-minded. Um, and I do believe in those rooms, in those ecosystems and those silos, uh, majority rules is the base uh, rule mechanism, aka if I go into a flat earth society and I start saying how stupid flat earthers are, I'm going to be banned or booted, which kind of makes sense. It, it isn't a question if I'm right. Okay. Because, you know, uh, I, I'm not an absolutionist in the sense of I know I'm right about X, Y, or Z. I will say if I'm in a room with a bunch of flat earthers, my first question is, oh, what the hell am I doing here? I shouldn't be here. Um, so if I'm saying I'm interested in flat earther stuff, when I join the network more than likely, I'm not going to be opposed to it or negative towards it. So when you join WT dot social, you have to pick out things that more than likely you're going to, I guess, agree with about be down with. Um, the other thing I like about WT social is, um, Basically, as far as I can tell, there's no mobile application even available, which I kind of like the idea of you're only on the network when you sit down to a full desktop experience and you're putting yourself out there to be a part of that instead of it having it constantly nag you and ping you and distract you and upset you and encourage knee-jerk reaction typing sessions um i don't like that about all those other social platforms so maybe wt social would be better at that um i will say one guy on one discord channel when he saw it was kind of like a majority rule kind of thing he said well that's not freedom to which i just stopped and said well you're right well let me phrase that i said to myself well yeah you're right that's not but really what is we're on the internet or in life, or in reality, or at your job, or any place, do you have complete freedom? And the answer is kind of nowhere, to a degree, to somewhat. Absolute freedom is absolutely unobtainable, unless you limit yourself to only like being in your house, or only being on your server, or only being on your BBS system, or only being in your bedroom, kind of thing. Um, And that's kind of the way I'm okay with it, because I think I should to a degree um um be around people that make me stop and question myself and make me evaluate what I'm going to say before I say stuff so to we're basically I'm not going to say I'm going to censor myself but it makes me stop and think is this a sane thing to say in front of other people which I don't think is a bad thing but that's one of those things that's one of those freedom rabbit holes there is no right answer. There is no wrong answer. It's just a question of how much are you individually willing to compromise? Some people love Facebook and love Twitter. To me, I think they compromise a lot. Some people love Mastodon. Some people love IRC. I think they kind of compromise a little bit less. Um, we all just have to in, you know, decide where we're going to draw the line and then use some stiction and stick with it and hold out and keep and keep it up. Um, I will say right now, my git pocket to google drive spreadsheet uh if this then that functionality is completely broken, or I think I would have had at least two or three links to uh talk about, but it's not working. I literally logged into Twitter today to ping that i t f f account and I did send them some feedback in their application. I haven't heard anything back yet um I pay granted a little amount, but I pay for my Um, if this, then that account, I believe now when I have an issue with it, not connecting to my services, I should get an answer sooner versus later. And if I don't get an answer sooner versus later, I'm going to look at standing up my own service because there's one guarantee is it's going to cost less. It might be difficult to maintain or upkeep, administrate, whatever, but it's going to cost me less money, which means then I can take that money and patronize other things like that one linux podcast i still listen to okay i will again thank everyone for hanging in thank everyone for hanging on thank everyone for downloading thank everyone for communicating uh mark thank you again for the emails you're a gentleman and a scholar uh we will hopefully talk to everyone again real soon